every day you are faced with choices that literally can set the trajectory for your life. Think about it. A decision you make today can impact and affect the rest of your life. We need wisdom and we have a promise from God that we can access it. However, what many men think is wisdom may be something else disguised as wisdom. In today's show, we are going to look at something that I call the War of Two Wisdoms. Let's get into it. You are listening to Raising the Standard, leadership, mindset, and development for the kingdom man. If you've ever wondered, how can I be the man God created me to be? Or maybe you asked yourself, what purpose does God have for my life? If that sounds like you, then you're in the right place. My goal is simple, to help you access the unfair advantage all Christian men have and give you actionable strategies to reach your full potential. My name is Josh Kachadorian. I am a best-selling author, husband, father, disciple, and son of Jesus Christ. If you're ready to get off the sidelines, upgrade into your identity as a kingdom man, and take the territory that God has for you, then it's time to raise the standard. Hey guys, welcome to Raising the Standard, Leadership, Mindset, and Development for the Kingdom Driven Man. I have a question for you. If you could ask God, for one thing, what would you ask for? Now, if I was throwing that out on social media and I was just talking to the general populace and just men of every walk and any persuasion, it usually comes down to three things that men pursue and tend to be the downfall of all men, which is the gold, the glory, and the girls. But as kingdom-driven men, we know our response will be totally different. This exact question was posed to King Solomon by the Lord, where the Lord showed up in a dream and said, you can have anything you want. And if you know the story, King Solomon requested of the Lord that he could have wisdom. And as a result of asking for wisdom and obtaining wisdom, the Lord gave him power, rulership, fame, and much, much wealth. In fact, Solomon was the wealthiest man who ever lived by the standards of that day and even carrying over to what we would have at present time. King Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. Proverbs can be literally translated as wisdom for ruling and reigning in life. And if you've been listening to the show, we have a major theme here, which is how to walk into your purpose, that place of assignment that destiny for you. We believe that every man has a mountain. And part of the process that we talk about on Raising the Standard is pursuing your God-given destiny. And what we see as a theme, and you can find this throughout all of our past episodes, including the last one, God breaks the man to make the man, is that there is a process of preparation that every man goes through. So if you are committed, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you are following God and pursuing the upward call in your life, you are no doubt in a process. And that process will have a lot of preparation built into it. There will be trials, there will be tests, there will be mountains, there will be valleys, all for the process and all for the purpose of making you the man you were created and called to be. 
So let's jump right back into this conversation on the war of these two wisdoms, which I want to present to you today, and you need to hear this. What I'm going to be sharing may be different than what you have heard in the past. So I want you to pay attention because we are going to drop some scriptures here, and we're going to look at a relevant story that I promise you will be able to apply and look at your life in a new lens. So let's start with this concept that Solomon lays out in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. This is from the Amplified Version, where he says, There is a way which seems right to a man and appears straight before him, but its end is the way of death. So guys, pay attention to that because he says there's a way that seems right. And if we look at the next portion of this verse, it even appears straight. It appears to be right. It appears to be the right direction, the right way. It looks like a straight path. However, what he's describing here is very deceptive. There's another verse that's very similar, just a couple chapters over in 1625. And he says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So what I'm addressing today is not the blatant sinful choices that we have before us as men every day and everywhere we go. These choices are easy to make. You do not need wisdom to not choose sin. Okay, if you're faced with an option to choose a sinful behavior, a desire of the flesh, or something that is black and white, open and shut right in front of you, you don't need wisdom to make the right choice. What you need is obedience. And if you're struggling with sin in your life, if you're struggling with open sin in your life, you don't need more wisdom for that. You need obedience and you need to walk closer with the Lord. For men that are struggling, you will find that you're walking distant from the Lord. You become distant and complacent and passive in your walk with the Lord. So if that's you, get closer and watch your desires shift and watch everything change in your life. But what we're talking about today is not this choice of sin. I want to talk about what could appear as a seemingly good choice. And the question that we now raise is, is it good or is it God? And think about that for a moment, because what I'm saying here is that something that's seemingly good, something that appears to be right and even just and even moral may not be God's will for your life. It may not originate with heavenly wisdom or wisdom from above. It may be based on an earthly wisdom and a perception of what you think is right and what you think is moral and what is acceptable. So we're talking about something that looks right, but it's deceptive. Okay, guys, so I want to tell you a quick Bible story here. This is something that I think is really going to resonate with you. It resonates with me, and it's about an interaction that Jesus has with one of the disciples. In fact, it's Peter. It's one of the disciples that's on the inner circle. Peter, James, and John make up this inner circle for Jesus of disciples that he pulled aside, he poured into. They get access with Jesus that the other disciples do not get. And this story is found in Matthew chapter 16. And let me just give you a top line summary of what we see occurring in Matthew chapter 16 between Peter, the disciples, and Jesus. And Jesus poses a question to his crew, and he asks them, who do people say that I am? And we hear various responses from the disciples that are gathered around Jesus at the time he poses this question. And then he says to them, after he hears what their reports are, he says, who do you say that I am? A very direct question from Jesus to the disciples. 
And Peter stands up. He answers in a strong tone and says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. This is very bold of Peter. And if you know anything about Peter, this declaration fits Peter's personality perfectly. Peter is stubborn. He's strong-willed. He's powerful. He speaks first and he thinks second. You'll see that throughout the stories within the Gospels. So it makes sense. And it's a very brave and courageous move that Peter makes here when he says, Lord, you are the Christ. Jesus responds to Peter and gives him a commendation and says, blessed are you. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And he goes on to build up Peter, give him some words about his life and how Peter will be foundational in the building of the church. Okay, so I needed to tell that part of the story just to lay the backdrop. What I really want to get to is what happens in this next scene. In the moments following this declaration from Jesus, we see a twist to what happens here. And this is what I want to bring your attention and your focus to. And the word says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. And when Jesus shares this, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And he said, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. So think about this, guys. Peter just stands up and rebukes the Lord and tells him, this will never happen. Everything you just said, I will not allow it to happen. This must not be so. God forbid it. So think about the strength, think about the sincerity, think about the intention and the moral compass that Peter has to stand up and defend Jesus in light of this new revelation that Jesus must die. And I want to focus on what happens next. How does Jesus choose to respond to Peter in this moment? Let's read the verse. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Wow, guys, Peter just gets rebuked by the Lord. A few moments earlier, he was getting blessed by the Lord. He was being told that he had revealed something that has not come from his own flesh and that God the Father has revealed it to him. And in this scene, Peter's getting rebuked by Jesus. He's actually being called Satan. And he's being told that he's pursuing an interest, which is not God's interest. It's an interest which seems right to Peter at the time, but it is not heavenly wisdom. It is not God's interest. This is something we got to discuss. We have to look at what can we find out about Peter that would elicit such a response. So I have two questions for you as you hear this story. Number one, the question is, is Peter sincere? Just think about that for a minute. Is he sincere with his question? Does he really seek to defend the Lord? Does he really seek to keep who he believes is the Christ from harm? And question number two is, what are Peter's motives? Was Peter motivated by some earthly agenda to harm the Lord? This certainly wasn't an evil plan that Peter had in mind when he rebukes the Lord. He wants to preserve the Lord. He loves Jesus. He just stood up and declared his lordship and declared that he will follow him. 
So we know Peter does not want to see the Lord die. That seems like a good thing, right? That seems like a moral and just decision. That sounds like wisdom. Well, the answer to those questions are Peter is very sincere. And I believe Peter's motives were right. They were right in his own mind. They were right from his perception and his lens of the way he was viewing the situation. And he was operating out of wisdom that came from himself. So guys, the war of two wisdoms is real. We're talking about a wisdom that Peter's operating in that is just. It seems good. It seems right to him. It seems like a straight path forward. However, he gets rebuked by the Lord and is told to get behind me. And the Lord goes on to call him Satan, or we could also interpret that as adversary, that Peter is acting like an adversary to Christ in that moment in time. So a couple of things we got to pick up here, guys, is that Peter is sincere. You can be sincere and you can be sincerely wrong. Now, we talked a little bit about Peter's personality, and let's see if this is you. It may or may not be. I know I have some attributes of Peter in my life, and Peter's proud. He's strong. He's stubborn. He's unrefined in a lot of ways, but he's also sincere. And he is uncrucified at this point in life. And what I mean by that, if you've been listening to the show, you know that we are a three-part being comprised of our spirit, our soul, and our body. And when I say uncrucified, I'm talking about Peter's soul life, his mind, will, and emotions that have not been submitted, yielded, or surrendered to the will of God. And this is what we have here. We have a wisdom that's from the earth that's coming out of a man that is not yet surrendered fully to the will of God in his life. He's speaking from his soul. He's speaking from his mind, from his will, and from his intellect, and what he perceives and what he seems is right. And guys, this is not a blatant sinful choice to Peter. He thinks he's doing something that's good. So the question now becomes, is it good or is it God? So for the decisions we're facing, the question now needs to go through a filter. Am I making this decision because it's a good decision or is it a God decision? So let's go just a little bit deeper into the context here and what's happening in Peter. There is a backstory in Luke chapter 22. You can check it out on your own if you want. I'll give you the high level, but there's this one passage where the disciples are disputing and fighting among themselves as to who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Okay, guys, so we see a really fleshly argument here. They're walking with Jesus, but at the same time, these men are not refined. They have not been sanctified. They have not been fully submitted in the soul realm where they've gone through this process of yielding and being conformed and looking like Jesus. Jesus has still not gone to the cross yet, and they are disciples, but they're following him in an unregenerated phase of their life at this point. And it leads them to this argument, which is who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And we know that Peter must have been outspoken in this because right after this conversation, Jesus will look at Peter and tell him that Satan himself has demanded permission to sift him like wheat. Why was Satan making such a demand about Peter? Because Peter was declaring, I will be the greatest. He was speaking out of his earthly wisdom and pride through this soulish realm of his life. And because there was pride in his life, that gave the enemy access where the Lord knows that Satan has an agenda and he wants to sift Peter because Peter has opened a door 
through the pride in his life. So this is a soul issue in Peter. This is opening a door where Satan now has direct access. Think about the consequences and what this could mean for you and I. Guys, do we have pride in our life? Is there something in us that's seeking, even for a seemingly good cause, even for, even for wanting to do great things for God, even in wanting to build and expand the kingdom of God, is there something in us that's rooted in pride and it's coming from the soul realm, that unsanctified part of our soul that has not been yet yielded over. So I want to read you a note from the Passion Translation where Brian Simmons will say and break down why Jesus called Peter Satan. And guys, this is right on and it's in line with everything we've been talking about today. That word Satan can also be translated as adversary. And what the Passion Translation states is that Jesus is equating Peter's display of character to that of Satan, this earthly wisdom. Peter was not possessed by Satan, but was speaking from Satan's realm and speaking demonic wisdom. Wow, demonic wisdom, a war of two wisdoms, wisdom from above and then this earthly demonic wisdom. So let's quickly look at where do we make this statement about these two wisdoms? And I'm going to take you to the book of James, which is a New Testament, New Covenant book, which mirrors the book of Proverbs. There's a lot of practical, accessible wisdom in the book of James. And this is what it says in James chapter three. This wisdom is not that which comes from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. So guys, we see earthly wisdom described as three things. It's earthly, it's natural, and it's demonic. They're all one and the same. So just because it's a natural wisdom, it's also demonic. It's from the earth. So earthly wisdom is defined as three things. We see that it's earthly, it's natural, but it's also demonic. So here's what I want you to take away from today. This wisdom that I'm speaking of, earthly, natural, and demonic, is that you can be very sincere and you can be very deceived. You can think it's good. You can even see it as moral. You can see it as right through your own lens and still be deceived. Your sincerity does not mean this is wisdom from above. The lesson for us is that good doesn't mean God. Peter's idea to an unspiritual man would seem good. It would seem right. It would seem moral. It would seem just. So let's pause and ask ourselves, what in our life are we acting upon that seems good? Are we making a decision without dependence on the Holy Spirit? Are there hidden motives and secret ambitions within our soul that are driving our decisions? Guys, the answer for you and the answer for me is surrender. Submit and surrender your soul life. I'm going to give you three keys to get wisdom and to make sure and to confirm that we're accessing wisdom from above, heavenly wisdom, and not the earthly natural wisdom that Peter is using in this moment. Number one, get in the word. Know your Bible and spend time with God in the word. Number two, ask for wisdom. James says if anyone needs wisdom or lacks wisdom, let him ask for it. So ask God in your prayer time, tell him you want wisdom, invite him and invite the Holy Spirit to come into your life and bring you wisdom. And if you're asking for it, look for it. 
And the last key I want to give you is also found in Proverbs, and it says there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Guys, it's so important to have a mentor, to have someone older in your life, to have a mature brother, someone you can submit yourself to. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Before I make major decisions, I have certain people that I trust, that I submit myself to, and I submit my decisions to, and I seek for wisdom to make the right decision and to walk it out carefully and cautiously. And I will say, this is hard for us as men. We like to be independent. We like to do our own thing. And it doesn't always feel good to submit yourself to someone or ask them before you make a move or take an action because there's something in us at times that rears its head up and says, I don't need to submit this. I can do this on my own. I'm a grown man. I'm independent. And if you hear that voice coming from within you, that sounds like the soul life that needs to be put on the cross. That needs to be crucified and that needs to be surrendered. So until the next episode, let's stay strong, let's stand firm, and let's raise the standard. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If what you heard here today resonated with you and you want to fully step in to be the man that God created and called you to be, then I want to give you a free guide. It's called The Map, and you can get it at standard59.com. In The Map, I will give you 12 biblical strategies that every kingdom man pursuing biblical masculinity must honor. If you're ready to step off the sidelines and pursue the upward call, then get The Map today at standard59.com. That's standard59.com. Hey, if there's a brother in your life that needs to hear this message, then share this show with them. And please leave us a rating and review. It helps get the message out there to more men. Until the next show, guys, let's raise the standard.